Welcome to the Punks Unite podcast, where we discuss alternative health and wellness practices for those of you who are looking to find balance in both body and mind, but you just don't feel that you fit the socially constructed definition of what it means to be fit and healthy. Hey, I'm Jo, and if you're looking for alternative health and wellness practices that prioritize mental and physical balance, but you don't feel represented by the mainstream fitness culture, then this podcast is for you. I'm committed to promoting body positivity, celebrating individuality, and through the stories of others, exploring personalized self-care practices that will help you to reach your happiest and healthiest self. In today's episode, you'll be joining me in the woodlands of the southeast of England. Before we dive in, remember to hit that subscribe button now to stay up to date with all our latest episodes. So today I decided that I might try something a little bit different and uh, take you on a journey as I walk in the woods with my dog who wants to sniff everything. Uh, it's a beautiful day, but obviously lots of other pooches have been through here on this particular walk that we're going on. And I'm hoping that you can hear the birds and everything like that. Um, we know that getting out into nature is really good for improving our mental health and if you're a long-time listener you'll know that I have generalized anxiety disorder and I've had this for decades and it's a strange thing you know I go through cycles like everyone does uh, the anxiety part still affects me but it's the depression that seems to be more, I'm trying to pull my dog along, more intense as I've got older. I don't know why. Uh, so I've used a lot of different practices over the years, yoga, meditation, mindfulness, and positive neuroplasticity training. And all of this has made me much more aware of when I'm going through these experiences. And it's also, they've also given me the tools to work out how I can cope with these cycles that I go through. If you tuned into the episode that I did on physical tension, uh, you'll be aware of how stress and anxiety can manifest in a physical way and vice versa. And if you haven't listened to that episode, I will link to it in the description of this episode for you. So today's episode is all about using mindfulness and mindfulness meditation and practices to ease feelings or to ease unpleasant feelings. And I say unpleasant feelings and I, I do kind of go through the, the whole spectrum with regards to this like, you know, anxiety and depression, but also boredom, loneliness, uh, basically the human experience and the, the suffering that sometimes we may feel. Now, I have to admit, I am somewhat of a crisis meditator. I did for about 12 months do meditation on a daily basis, pretty much a daily basis. And I did find it very, very useful. It really helped to give me the foundation I needed to then bring uh, meditation into my daily life, sort of throughout the day. 
And so when I was doing the daily meditation, I was actually in the process of doing my Kundalini yoga teacher training with Gloria Latham. And it was sometimes hard because as you're aware, there are lots of different meditation practices. And the meditation practices often in Kundalini yoga involved a mantra and uh, physical movement and lots of times holding your hands up or arms up in the air for, for extended periods. The one that I found the most difficult was a satnam meditation where you chant satnam as you pump your belly and you have your hands above your head with your fingers interlaced uh, and doing that for 11 minutes every day for 40 days or more because that is part of the the idea with kundalini yoga and meditation and creating and breaking habits as they say you need to do it for 40 days there is evidence out there that says it really depends on what you're doing but i do very much know that it did help to get me understanding meditation better it increased my stamina and it better shaped who I am today so there was a study done back in my hometown in or home state I should say not my hometown in Queensland in Australia I was actually at the Sunshine Coast University I think and what it found is that adults who participated in an eight-week mindfulness intervention showed improvements of sustained attention. The result of that, as eight weeks, was actually maintained for even six months later. What the researchers did was they used, uh, now I'm going to say this incorrectly, uh, they used EEG to measure the brain activity and found that mindfulness training enhanced two types of brain processes. So one of them was uh, efficiency of brain pathways, processing sensory information. So this would be like the fact that mindfulness actually helped the participants to process um, in more incoming, uh, well, process information that was incoming, or incoming information, goodness me, more effectively. Oh, I'm going to walk through some bushes here. Improving their bottom-up processes. And then also uh, it improved their direct attention. So participants were better at focusing on tasks and ignoring distractions. So that would boost their top-down processes. And this research is interesting because it shows that mindfulness can help to improve cognitive skills such as attention, which will, can lead to changes in brain function. Now, like always, I will link to this paper and any other information that I reference in this show in the description of the show so that you can go and read up about it later if you want to. Now, I just want to show you we're about to walk through a particularly beautiful part of this walk and it's, uh, it's called Merlin's Wood. And uh, yes, we're about to go over a pretty cool bridge. Probably can show you the bridge as well. It's a wooden bridge and it's not a very big bridge. But uh, yeah, it looks quite uh, uh, enchanted as we go in. Now, I know you're likely familiar with the terms meditation and mindfulness. 
and even mindfulness meditation. But I just want to kind of explain them a little bit as well. So, and sort of go into what the differences are. So meditation is is a broad term that encompasses various techniques and practices. Uh, and it's aimed at calming the mind, essentially. And, you know, it also, you do meditation practices specifically to increase focus and really achieving a place of mental clarity and inner peace and calmness. So, for example, a practice that might be useful for concentration is focusing on a specific object. So what I used to do back in the day is I would get a candle flame and you would focus on that candle flame. In Kundalini Yoga, we often use mantra. Uh, you can practice visualization techniques, which can induce relaxation and inner peace. Visualization isn't easy for everyone, so you might prefer mantra. And, you know, meditation originates originate from many different spiritual and cultural traditions. You know, it's, as I said, it's quite a broad area. Then you have mindful medita mindfulness meditation, which has its roots in Buddhist meditation practices. You know, it specifically focuses on cultivating awareness and non-judgmental acceptance of the present moment. And it involves kind of paying attention to your thoughts, your emotions, and your bodily sensations as they arise. You're not looking at them and judging them. You're not trying to change them or control them. You're, you're basically just becoming aware of them. And the goal is to develop a deeper understanding of yourself um, so that you can kind of foster self-compassion and cultivate you know, a more balanced state of mind. Now, I just want to take a moment here to have a look at these beautiful rhododendrons. I walked through here not that long ago, and I really look at them, aren't they lovely? And I really, really wanted to come back so that I could see them in their full glory. So mindfulness meditation practice is one that I tend to turn to in a crisis because it's a way for me to allow my emotions to kind of wash over me and let them go layer by layer so that I can heal. And, you know, I've practiced sitting in boredom, sadness, heartbreak, anger. And I mean, of course, I've also sat in joy and the other good feelings, but it's a way for my healing process to be able to let go and move on. And, you know, on a regular basis now, I incorporate the heal steps, which is from the positive neuroplasticity training side. Uh, I did do an episode on that, which I'll include in the, the notes or in the description. Uh, and that is also a way of, you know, cultivating your strengths, your inner strengths. Now, oh, <laughs> slipping over, while that type of meditation works for me, it's not something that works for everyone. And it's you know, I've tried a couple of different meditation styles uh, and I found that they haven't worked for me so much. And that's what's so important with these things is you go and you investigate and you kind of work out what's going to, you try it out and you work out whether or not it works for you. Now, one of my favorite ones, getting pulled around by the dog again, uh, one of my favorite ones is the love and kindness meditation. I like the repetition of a traditional mantra. 
because I have an incredibly busy mind. And when I do mantra meditations or meditations like the loving kindness meditation, it helps to drown out the thoughts. And the other thing with the loving kindness meditation is I do find that it it helps me to feel less depressed and a little bit more positive. So you can see that I'm having to duck through all the rhododendron branches as we go on this walk together today. So let's briefly look at what stress is and uh, you know how it impacts on us physically and mentally. So stress is very natural. It's a natural reaction to in the body that is triggered by an increase of cortisol. You know, our heart rate increases, our fight or flight response is activated or engaged. And as you might have well heard when we were hunter-gatherers, this was incredibly needed as a survival system, something to help us survive so that we could get ourselves out of danger. For example, I am walking in the woods. It is very safe here. But if I happen to be being tracked by a predator of some sort, then I would need this system to help me fight, flight or freeze, whatever was going to be the best response. Now, fundamentally, we are safe and we're okay. But there are elements of our lives that life that can trigger this stress response. And if we're unable to bring ourselves back to, uh, to balance, then it can lead to chronic stress, which can have detrimental effects on our physical and mental health. Now, stress and anxiety manifest physically in ways such as tightness of the shoulders, the neck, the jaw. That's where I predominantly feel a lot of stress. I also get back pain. Uh, you can get an upset stomach, stomach cramps, or tightness in your chest, maybe even chest pain. You know, some people have had panic attacks thinking that they're having a heart attack. You can get lightheaded <laughs> and also feel like you're not in your body. Now, if you listen to last week's episode, Leslie spoke about how stress and anxiety can also be linked to irritable bowel syndrome and irritable bowel disease. So it can have... Uh, effects on our our physical body. Now the vagus nerve comes into play as well and it's always fascinated me because it's named it's named after the Latin word for wandering and it it's got two branches that wander from the brain stem one goes down past the throat across your chest into the abdomen and the other bit goes up into your face. And this is considered the communication highway with, you know, for your brain and your nervous system. And it's very, very much connected to your emotions. So the ways that I typically explain this is that you, are, you might experience, say, I don't know, you break up with your partner uh, and then you feel a pain in your chest and it feels like your heart's breaking. That's the vagus nerve. You may also know, you'll know probably about having butterflies in your stomach, which can be associated with excitement 
or nervousness. And that is the vagus nerve. And it's just fascinating and incredible. Uh, it's incredible how this nerve connects our mind and body in such a powerful way. Hey everyone, I have a quick favor to ask. My podcast aims to empower those who feel they fit outside of the mainstream when it comes to keeping fit and healthy. And I really want to help them to embrace their uniqueness and cultivate a very positive experience with holistic wellness practices. If you are yet to subscribe, please do so via your favorite platform. Or if you know someone else who would benefit from the show, please share the link with them. Your support means the world to me and together we can make a positive impact for ourselves and those around us. Thank you. On to the mindfulness practices. There are quite a few practices which help to reduce stress and help with anxiety. So I'm just going to give you a couple, but it's not limited to this. There are other options. You can do mindful breathing. And what this does is focuses on the breath and you take deep breaths in and out. The elongation of the out-breath is what will help to calm your body and your mind because it taps into your parasympathetic nervous system. And this can help to reduce stress. This is quite good if you're experiencing stress in the moment. You can do a short breath in, long breath out. Now, another option is body scanning. And what body scanning is, is where you notice uh, through your body different sensations that you feel. So you might start with your feet and move all the way up to your head. And this can help, again, to reduce stress and promote relaxation. And of course, you then have mindful walking, which is kind of what I'm doing today, although I'm speaking with you, so I'm slightly distracted. It is something I do regularly. Getting out into nature is incredibly important for my mental health. It makes my dog happy as well. But when you go on your next walk, really focus on walking slowly. Now, the shoes I've got on today are trainers, but they're kind of a thin sole, so I can feel the ground within my, underneath my feet. Lots of people like to do this type of meditative walking without shoes on, because then they get better connection. And as you walk around, you notice things. You notice your feet connecting to the earth. You notice the unevenness of the ground. You notice the sounds of the wind. You notice the birds singing. And you might even notice the road in the background. So that's the sound side. Then you go into your senses of the smells. You know, what can you smell? You know, when I'm walking through pine woods, I can often smell the pine trees. Then you've got your sight. Of course, your sight is something that's maybe the easiest to connect to because we're visual beings. But when we were walking through the rhododendrons, you know, you could see how beautiful they were, the beautiful purple colours, the way that the light was hitting them. It was just lovely, really. And so mindful or meditative mindful walking is definitely something that uh, you could potentially bring in. It also is quite somatic in the sense that it brings you into your body. You're not having to sit and meditate, which can be incredibly, incredibly difficult, uh, particularly if you're experiencing stress or anxiety, or it might, you're just not the type of person that can sit still. And so doing a walking mindful practice, focusing on your breath as you're walking, doing it slowly, 
they're all wonderful things that you can do to really help. Now normally where we are, uh, we're on the edge of what I would call a creek or a stream. Um, I will turn it around. It is usually flowing, but we haven't had much rain recently. So it's looking pretty, pretty dry, pretty grim. And uh, I usually let my pup uh, go for a swim, but not today. She really wants to, but it's, yeah, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I've also just remembered that there's evidence that, you know, forest bathing, in addition to being in nature and how that makes you feel, nature relaxes us due to what's called biophilia. Now, I won't go into detail about that today, but I think it's quite interesting how what we're actually breathing in from nature could also be connecting with our body and relaxing it. Now, I find mindfulness practices particularly helpful uh, when I'm in a dreamlike state, like nothing feels real, like a bit like out of body, I suppose, because it helps me to reconnect with the physical world in some way. As I said, when I was talking about the mindfulness walking, you know, I'm connecting with the physical world. And so over the years of, you know, speaking to people about using yoga relaxation and specifically meditation to help find a place of balance, People may have had a number of misconceptions about mindfulness meditation or meditation itself. And so I thought I would also take the opportunity today to debunk them. One of the ones that comes up a lot is that you have to clear your mind. And this is simply not true. We have like 80,000 thoughts. It it's not possible to clear your mind, I don't think. But what it can help you do is to become aware of those thoughts and those feelings without judgment. So it's totally okay if your mind wanders during a meditation. The other is that you have to sit cross-legged. So this is also not true. As I said, some people don't like sitting down while they're meditating. And so you could do a walking meditation. You could also bring mindfulness into your daily life like I do. So walking or swimming or skateboarding or playing your guitar. Uh, yeah, there's, there are other options basically. And then the third one is that practicing mindfulness and meditation is just for spiritual people. And that's not the case, you know. Some meditations are practices that anyone can do. And, uh, you know, as I said, you've just got to find the one that works for you. Okay, so now you know what meditation is and you know what mindful meditation is. Uh, and, you know, I've busted a few misconceptions. You might be curious to know when you would use these practices. So I've got four to share with you. When, when and how should you use these practices? So you can go down the route of having a regular practice where you set time aside each day uh, and use the meditation and mindfulness as a tool for self-care. Uh, this does mean that you have to prioritize yourself and be willing to take time out of your day to do so. Uh, another option is you know, practicing mindfulness throughout the day. You know, 
when you wake up in the morning and you get out of bed, maybe take a few minutes to focus on the body and how that feels uh, and how that feels in bed, how you feel in bed, you know, is it nice and comfy? Uh, and, you know, that can really help again to set how you're going to go about your day. And then of course, as I've mentioned a few times, you can use it when you're feeling stressed or anxious anxious or overwhelmed you know one of the simplest ones is just to focus on your breath but again it can be very hard the best one to do I think in those situations is breathing in um, say for five counts and breathing out for eight counts you just want to make sure that the exhalation is uh, longer than the inhalation practicing daily is going to be the most beneficial because it does establish a good practice um, and a good sense of how you can bring it into your daily life. I'm hoping it's not too windy here. Apologies if there's a bit of air on the uh, mic. I'm trying to block it a little bit. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, if you do manage to do a daily practice, it doesn't need to be very long. You can do a couple of minutes, three minutes maybe and build it up. Don't feel like you need to be sitting there for 15 minutes straight. That's just not, I mean, gosh, yeah. If you're new to meditating, take it easy. Just do, even just do a minute. It's about creating the habit, so keep it simple. And finally, one of the other things you could potentially do if you want to is practice it with others. You know, go to a group meditation practice, facilitate a group meditation practice, uh, do it with your friends, your family, uh, and that's a way also to build a habit. Uh, and, you know, it's obviously lovely when you can do things with other people. It makes it very special. So before we finish up today, I wanted to find a place that we could be fairly peacefully, not disturbed, so I can take you through a practice. So I've had to go a little bit off piece, but I think I found somewhere. Okay, so not quite the best angle for this, but you're not gonna be looking at me anyway. We're gonna be sitting quietly. Now only do this practice with me if it is safe for you to do so. Obviously, if you are listening to this while you are driving, please pause and do this practice with me later. Uh, but if you are watching this or you're in a safe place where you can kind of sit quietly for a few moments, I invite you to do so with me. So you can either close your eyes or have a soft gaze. If you want to stare at a point in front of you, and have your attention focused there, that is also okay. You can place your hands on your belly, on your chest, or across your chest. And as you breathe in and out through the nose, notice your belly expand and relax. Become aware of the sounds around you. The sensations in your body. An awareness of your existence in this space right now. And taking mindful focus on our breath. 
So I'd like you to breathe in for the count of five and out for the count of eight. If you're finding that you uh, can't sustain the breath for that length, just shorten it. The main point is that the out breath is longer than the in breath. Before we begin, take a deep, powerful breath in, fill the belly, fill the lungs. Breathe out with a sigh of relief. Breathing in for one, two, three, four, five. Out, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. In, two, three, four, five. Out, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Continue with that short breath in and longer breath out. Time your mind wanders, bring yourself back to the counting, back to the breath. finish up, I invite you to rub your palms together briskly, press them firmly together at heart center, thumb into your sternum, take a deep powerful breath in, fill the belly, fill the lungs, breathing out with a sigh of relief, and then slowly open your eyes, bring your awareness back into this space. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. I hope you found it interesting and useful. So we're back here in the studio and I'd love to hear about your experience of doing that practice. So feel free to comment or to ask questions. And while you're doing that, let's just recap on today's episode. So in today's podcast, we discussed the benefits of mindfulness and meditation on mental health, particularly in managing stress, anxiety and depression. We touched on how these practices can improve cognitive skills such as attention and changing brain function as evidence in that study by the Sunshine Coast University in Queensland, Australia. We also explored different types of meditation, emphasizing the distinction between mindfulness meditation and other forms. And we took a closer look at stress, its origins and its impact on our mental and physical health. 
Now, whether you're a seasoned practitioner or just starting your mindfulness and meditation journey, remember that there isn't one size fits all approach to meditation. You just need to try a couple out and see what works for you. Stay curious and embrace the present moment. Remember to subscribe and turn notifications on so you're kept up to date with all the latest episodes. Goodness, what a mouthful today. Until next time though, peace and punk. Thank you.